we are in this series, No Turning Back, looking at what are some things that the Bible teaches us so that we can continue to move forward in our thing in the pursuit of God and following Jesus. And, uh, and so I want to look at a verse in Proverbs. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Proverbs. We're going to read a verse here, a passage, and then we're going to uh, flip back to the book of Genesis, read some passages there, also in Exodus and a few other places we're going to be flipping around. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me. If not, there'll be, the verse will be up on the screen to Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to read two verses, 25 and 27. Solomon's writing, he says, Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. So what he's saying is, in order to have a life that is pursuing what God has for you, you have to keep going forward. It's so easy to get distracted. But if you turn back, if you turn away, if you drift off course, you're going to end up doing something, being something, behaving in a way that's not what you intended. You'll act in evil, you'll act in sin, you'll act in wickedness. So it is imperative that we move forward to follow Jesus, not to turn back. And throughout this series, what we're looking at is what does the Bible teach us about some of the keys to keep us from turning back? In the first week, we learned that a part of it is to pursue God's presence. Pursue God's presence in your life every day. To say it is a privilege to live every day in God's presence. Last week, we learned of the importance of digging wells. So we need to dig wells, those places of refreshment, the places where we stand on God's promise. We need to just dig and dig and keep digging. Dig those wells in our lives. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about the importance of building altars. Because when we build an altar, it keeps us from turning back. Because an altar is a place where we remember what God has done, and we, and we are encouraged we're inspired about where he's leading us. Where we think back to those times in our lives where God made a way where there seemed to be no way, where he carried us, where he protected us, where he prospered us, where he, he carried us when we needed to be carried. So altars function as this anchor in our lives, something to hold on to to keep you from turning back. Also, altars also function as um, a landmark, Something to, to look to, to keep you from drifting off course to the left or to the right. But then altars are also signposts that point us, that inspire us, that show us where God is leading us so that we can press on into the things of God. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at uh, three different altars that were built in the Bible and the men that built them, and what it teaches us about building altars in our lives today. So if you have your Bibles, again, we're going to start in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, and it says, the Lord appeared to Abram. So Abram later, God changed his name to Abraham. He, he's the, the father of our faith. He's kind of the father of the Jewish people, and because Jesus came from a Jewish lineage, he is the father of our faith. So the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he, meaning Abram, built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So Abram or Abraham has this word from God. He has this encounter. God says, this is what's going to happen. And Abram builds an altar. So what does that tell us about altars? The first thing is this, that altars represent meaningful 
moments, meaningful moments in our lives. We're meant to build altars based on there's, there's some kind of uh, breakthrough in our life, some type of victory, some type of provision, some way in which uh, God moved in our lives. A moment of truth, a moment of revelation, a moment of trial where God saw us through. A moment of transition where everything in our life seemed to change. Could be a, a moment of promise. But these moments, and we, we build these altars at these meaningful, significant moments in our lives. God brings a spouse. God brings deliverance. So a meaningful moment, you, you're, you're driving down the highway and you end up in a horrific accident. I mean, you, you should be dead. The paramedics, the police officers, they look at the wreckage and they go, we can't believe you survived, let alone walked away from it. And yet you walk away with barely a scratch on you or minor injuries. That's not just luck. That's not just happenstance. That's just not just good fortune. That's God's protection in your life. We have to take note of those meaningful moments. You're at work. The boss comes in and says, hey, I need to talk to you. Now listen, when the boss says, I need to talk to you, you normally go, oh, what have I done? I mean, at least that's how I always felt. You know, it's kind of like when your mom says, we need to talk. Oh, God. What did I do, mother? Um, he said, we need to talk. So he calls you into his office and he says, um, hey, I just want you to know um, we're promoting you. And you look and you can think in your mind as rapidly as you can about two, three, four other people in your department that you thought would be more qualified, that deserved, they had more seniority, whatever, that they should have gotten promoted ahead of you, yet you got the promotion. That's not just because your boss likes you. That's God's favor in your life. We have to take a moment and, and recognize these meaningful moments, these significant moments in our lives. So the doctor told you, You'll never be able to have children. And yet year, years later, there you stand, holding your child in your arms as they're dedicated to the Lord. Those meaningful moments are so important for us to recognize. See, here's what I've learned. You can take the blessing and move on, or you can take the time to build an altar. Oh, God, thanks for saving my life. God, thanks for the promotion. Uh, thank you so much for the child. And then quickly forget about it as life moves on and history fades in the rearview mirror of life. Or you can take the time to build an altar. So what does it mean to build an altar? Does it mean to say thank you to God? Yes. Does it mean to recognize his providence in your life? Yes. Does it mean to take time to say, God, you're involved. Let me worship you. Let me, let me just acknowledge you. Yes, it is those things, but it's more than those things. Because if that's all that an altar is, then we quickly forget. An altar is something that's lasting, something that we can go back to, something that we can look at, something that we can um, j just come to and say, remember that moment. So build an altar through something that lasts. Maybe it's journaling. You write it down in a journal. Don't throw the journal away. Put it, fill up a journal, fill up another one, fill up another one. Have a bookcase with a stack of journals that you could look back on and say, this date, this, this time, this situation, this moment, God moved. 
Maybe what we gave out at Christmas to all the families, remembrance jars. Take that, fill it up with those meaningful moments that God did something incredible in your life. He brought this person into my life that I wasn't expecting. They brought comfort, they brought joy, they, they brought encouragement. Maybe it's a bulletin board that you just have somewhere in your house. And on that bulletin board, you just write all these things. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, you could get a big stone. We gave out memorial stones when Pastor Aaron preached back uh, the last week of, of the year. But maybe you want to get a big one. And you write those things on there. Write them in a in marker, write them permanent. And there it is, this stone, corner of your house, somewhere where you can look and reflect. Maybe you just have note cards and you put them on your, on your refrigerator at home. Here's the key. Don't throw them away. Don't let them fade in the sunlight. Don't just discard them after a while. Hold on to them because they serve as a point to go back to. These memorable moments. Now, here's the thing. You can build an altar anywhere. You can build one in your kitchen. You can build an altar in your, in your living room. You can build one outside in the, in the yard where you can go and just walk and pray and then go and look and say, look what God's done. Look at these moments where he moved and he intervened. You could put one in your office. What a testimony that would be. Not only as an encouragement to you, but the people who come. What is that? Those are all the moments where God moved in my life. You could, you could build an altar in your car. You could build one anywhere, but it's got to be something that lasts. Because again, you can receive God's promise and then move on, or you can receive his promise. You can receive his blessing. You can receive that thing from him. And you can take time to build an altar. Now, it's interesting. Abram receives from God. God says to him, your offspring will possess this land. Another time he says, they'll be like the stars in the sky. This is all going to be yours. You're going to be blessed to be a blessing. God makes all these promises. And what does Abram do? He says, when it happens, I'll build an altar. When I see God move, I'll build an altar. When the promise comes to pass, I'll build an altar. No, he based an altar. He built an altar based on nothing except God's promise. You know how many children Abram had when God said, your children will possess this land? None. You know how much land he possessed when God made that promise? None. You know how much wealth he had when God made that promise? None. Abram heard the promise and built an altar. He said, this is a meaningful moment because this is the moment when God spoke a promise in my life and I don't want to forget it. See, if you forget God's promises, then you, for, you forget where he's leading you. But if you build an altar, say, this is God's word to me, and I won't forget it. See, you don't have to wait for the promise to come to pass. Build an altar simply because of the promise. God, I'll, I'll build this altar. You said I will live and I will not die. You said I would see your goodness in the land of the living. God, I'm going to stand on this promise even when I don't see it. Even when I don't see how it's possible. Even when I don't know how it can be. I'm going to build this promise because that's what faith is all about. That's why later on in the book of Romans, the, in the New Testament, Paul's writing referring back to Abraham, and he says this. He says, Abraham did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, 
but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he, Abram, was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to do. God, you made this promise. God, you said that I would run and not grow weary if I wait on you. You said you would give me peace if I turn to you. God, you said you would restore my youth. God, you would give rest to my soul. You said you would give me wisdom and insight if I needed it. God, those are your promises, and I'm going to build an altar based on those promises, even though right now I don't see the answer. See, we want to wait until God does something and then say, now I'll memorialize it, and we should. But when God, we all have those things that God has whispered into our spirit. When he has said, this is what I'm going to do for you. And it seems impossible. It seems like there's no way. Build an altar. God gave the promise, you build the altar. God gave the promise, you build the altar. Later on in April, we're going to have Ed Trout. Maybe you remember him. He was here years ago, um, back in 2018, I think it was. Whenever it was. Uh, He's coming back. He's going to do a prophetic conference uh, in in the month of April. And, And some of you... God will give a word prophetically through him. You can say that was a word somewhere, some, I don't even remember what he said. Or you could say, I'm going to build an altar to this. I don't worship the word. I worship the God who gave the word. I don't worship the promise. I worship the God who can keep his promises. And he is able to do what he promised. He's not a man that he would lie. God's promises are true. So build an altar in those meaningful moments. And then in the book of Exodus, this man named Moses builds an altar. And it says this in Exodus 17, Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord gives me victory. The Lord is my banner. When a, when a battle happened and victory happened, they would raise the banner of victory. The Lord is Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah conqueror, winner. The Lord is over me. Why did he name it that? He explained to them, it's because here I depended on the Lord. I depended on the Lord in this moment. So it's not just because it was a meaningful moment. See, the altars also do something else. And altars are a place of remembrance where we go back and recall, remember, call to mind what it is that God did back then in those meaningful moments. See, if you just write them down in the meaningful moments and you stack them out in the corner, then what good does that do you? We have to go back to the altar and recall, remember, this is what God did throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, time and time again, when people were in a place of desperation, when things were hard, when they were in a moment of struggle, they would go back to the altars that were built and they would say, this is what God did then. We remember And in prayer, they would say, God, we remember what you did then. And if you did it then, we know you'll still do it now because you don't change. So we stand on who you are. So King Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament was the king of the nation of Judah. And Judah was in trouble, big trouble. They were surrounded by three armies, vastly superior, outnumbered them about 10 to 1. And they had no thought of being able to win this battle. And so what does King Jehoshaphat do? He does what they always did. They said, we have to recall, we have to remember who our God is. So he calls all the people to the courtyard and there in the courtyard behind them is the temple of God that represented his presence. 
It represented his covenant promises. But also in the courtyard are all these altars that reminded the people of who God is, what he had done. So they went there to cry out to God to remember who their God was. And this is what it says in 2 Chronicles. Jehoshaphat's crying out and he says, Are you not the God who is in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand and no one can stand against you. Are you not the God who led your people out of this, uh, out, drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? We stand before this temple before you. We will cry out to you because of our distress and you will hear and deliver. What that tells me is you and I need to fill our lives with those places where we can go and remind ourselves of those are you not the God moments. Are you not the God that preserved my life? Are you not the God who healed me? Are you not the God who carried me through that difficulty? Are you not the God that provided in that lean season? Are you not the God who's caused my business to prosper? Are you not the God who brought a spouse when I thought I was going to be alone? Are you not the God who gave me a home when I thought I was never going to have anywhere to call my own? Are you not the God? If you don't have those moments to look back on, how can you stand and move forward knowing that if God did it then, he'll do it now? That's why it's so important. Later on in this year, Jamie, my wife Jamie and I will celebrate being here at Hickory Ridge for 11 years. 11 years. But before we got here, we stepped out of a very wounding, a very hurtful experience. We felt the sting of betrayal, the hurt of being lied about, it, it, when, when we were walking through that, all of it, the lies, the mistreatment, it all just felt unfair. But let me tell you one thing I've learned. God wouldn't have allowed the hurt. God wouldn't have allowed the disappointment. God wouldn't allowed the wounding if he didn't have a purpose in it. Some of you need to hear that. You've been hurt. You are hurt. You've been wounded. You are wounded. You've been disappointed or you are disappointed. God doesn't allow that in your life unless he has a purpose for it. So if you're going through that now, I'm telling you, God is preparing you because when we looked at it at that moment, it felt like it was a setback in life, in ministry, in our finances. Everything felt like a setback, but I can look at it now and realize it wasn't a setback. It was a setup. God was setting us up for a new place of ministry, a new season of, of fruitfulness, an opportunity to pour into the people here. And 11 years later, I can look and go, I would have never thought it's possible that what has happened here over the last 11 years would have happened. But are you not the God? I could point to other times when my wife and I were early in our marriage. This is, we were living up in Vermont. We had a car. It was winter, snow, all those things. And the brake line failed, rusted out. There was no brake fluid getting to the um, caliper. You could put that brake all the way down to the floor and you weren't stopping. And yet here we are on, on snow and ice and somehow the car just stops. Years later, we're living in a different place. We have a big um, detached garage. It was heated by propane. We had a 250-gallon propane tank 
uh, attached to the garage, or there was an ice storm. Somehow or other, the ice caused the line of the propane to crack going into the garage. But it wasn't uh, pouring gas, propane outside. It was all coming into the garage. And the kids would go there and play. So off they go down to the garage filled with hundreds of gallons of propane. They open up the garage door, flipping on the lights. All it would have taken was one spark and it would have been over. It would have been a, a complete disaster. And yet nothing happened. When I'm getting ready to graduate from high school after my junior year, I had enough classes. I could have been done. I didn't need to go back to school. I didn't want to go back to school. The last thing I want to do is go back to school. Except I could play football, and, and my dad said, you should just go back and play football. I said, I want to go play at a different high school. He said, no, you got to go back to that high school. So there I went, back to that high school, didn't want to be there. I signed up for typing classes, cooking classes, gym, three gyms, you name it. It was, but you know what happened? One day, I walk into the cafeteria, and I lay eyes on this gorgeous girl. And we'll be celebrating 30 years of marriage later this year. Yeah. I share those things because those are those, aren't you the God? Are you not the God moment? So now today when I face difficulties, when I face disappointment, when I'm struggling, when things aren't going the way that I want them to go, I remind myself, are you not the God that led us to Hickory Ridge? Are you not the God that provided when we were in a tight season of life? Are you not the God that healed my stepfather of terminal cancer? Are you not the God who carried us through those difficult times? Are you not the God that stopped the hand of the man who was threatening me? Are you not the God that carried me, that led me, that brought me peace? that restored broken relationships? Are you not the God that gives me wisdom and insight and understanding beyond my own intellect? See, we're all going to have those times when we need to recall, remember those are you not the God moments because it's easier, easier, easier to remember what God didn't do than to, what, than to remember what he did do. It's far easier to recall, to remember what God didn't do than to remember what he has done. The National Institutes of Health did a study and they said negative experiences are recalled more frequently and with greater clarity than positive experiences. It's easy to remember God didn't do this, he didn't do that, but I'm telling you, build an altar to are you not the God moments. What we'll do is we'll say, God didn't give me what he wanted instead of looking at what God gave you. God, I wanted a house, but God gave you a home. God, I wanted to work for this company, but God gave you a career. God, I wanted a position, a ministry. God says, I've given you a place to serve. Say, God, I, I wanted a platform. God says, I've given you influence. You say, God, I want divine healing and supernatural healing. I want the miracle. And he says, I've given you life. It's easy to say, God, you didn't do the things I wanted, but you need to build altars at those places where you say, are you not the God? Are you not the God? Because where would you be? God may not give you everything you want, but where would you be without God's goodness? That's what those altars are meant to do, a place to remember, a place that signifies those meaningful moments and a place to go back and remember 
And then I want to look at Jacob in the last altar. It says this, Jacob built an altar at the place God had revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. He poured a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So, what does this signify? It signifies to us, it tells us something about altars that are so important. And here it is. Altars mark a time to sacrifice. Throughout the Bible, where there's an altar, there's a sacrifice. Where there's an altar, there's a sacrifice. Where there's an altar, there's an offering. They go hand in hand. And here's why. Because walking after Jesus, following Jesus, not turning back from Jesus, pursuing the Lord with everything in you, loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is not a walk in the park. It is a battle. And in battle, sometimes a battle requires sacrifice. And so there are these times and these seasons when we have to say, I am willing to surrender to God those things that I need to let go of. There are those times where I need to bring an offering to God because of who he is and what he's done. Because I can look at those moments and I can remember who our God is. And as a result of that, I will not turn back. I'm going to press forward. I'm going to continue on. So it is so important for us to do that. To look and say, in this moment, God gave me beauty for ashes. And so as a result, I will, with joy, serve as a sacrifice. It's easy to forget. But when we look and say, God, you have given me health. And so, I will give my time as a sacrifice. God, you have allowed me to make it to retirement. And so, I will share my experience, my understanding, my insight as an act of service. God, you have provided for me. You've given me resources. And so I will give my tithe as a sacrifice. It's so easy to just forget what God has done. And when we do remember, it's easy to say, well, God did it. But if God did it for you, what are you willing to give back to him? So here's what Jacob said before he even built that altar. He said, this stone that I have set up, this stone, this place, God, where you revealed yourself to me, one day I'm coming back here. And when I come back, I'm going to build an altar here. And I will call it God's house, Bethel, the house of God. And I will give you a tenth of all that you have given to me. And he did indeed go back there. And he called that place Bethel, and it was the house of God. But he says, I'll give back to you 10% of everything that you increase, increase me with. Whatever I leave with, when I come back, I'm giving you 10%. See, a sacrifice is meant to be costly. We give God our best, not our worst. We give God our, our highest, not our lowest. Some of you misunderstand who God is when it comes to a sacrifice. So I just want to make this clear. God is not your garbage collector, right? Where you just throw out to the curb the stuff you don't want, the stuff that's broken, the stuff that's left over. It doesn't fit anymore. It's worn out. We say, well, that's all. And God is not the goodwill store where you say, look how great I am. I'm giving away the stuff that doesn't work anyway. The stuff I don't want. 
Maybe somebody else can use it, but I sure don't want it. No, God is your Lord. He's your Savior. He's your Redeemer. He's your promise keeper. He's the one that made a way where there was no way. He's the one who was in all those meaningful moments. Are you not the God that saw me through? And so why wouldn't you want to give back to God your best? But what we want to do is we want to sacrifice to God that which we don't want. But here's the thing you need to remember. You're not called to sacrifice the things you don't want. You're called to sacrifice the things you love. But I don't want to give up my time. I don't want to give 10%. I'll make every reason in the book why I don't have to tithe. Listen, just just get down to brass tacks. You make every reason why you don't have to tithe. What is God worth to you? You did all these things. I have all these altars. I'll give you $1.50 and think I'm such a generous person. But God says, would you give me everything? Would you give up that relationship? Would you give up that person? Would you give up that career? Would you give up your time? Would you sacrifice your expertise? Would you give those things to me? And we say, God, I can see all the things that you've done. I can recall that you are the God that has done these things. But when we learn to bring a sacrifice at the altar, we are positioning ourselves for what God has done. God has great things for you. Some of you are in some challenging times right now. You're going through some hard seasons. Here's what I would encourage you to do right now. Start looking at those meaningful moments where God moved. Start building the altars where you can remember, are you not the God? Are you not the God that that closed the mouth of the lions? Are you not the God that parted the Red Sea? Are you not the God that gave Sarah a baby? Are you not the God that gives grace where I deserve wrath? Are you not the God who forgave when I deserved punishment? Are you not the God who gave me a second chance? Are you not the God who moved, who provided, who protected? Start building those altars because when you do and build altars, build lots of altars, remember those meaningful moments. Declare, are you not the God? And then say, why would I hold anything back from the God who's done all that for me? And when you do that, all of a sudden, you're going to see God move in incredible ways. Doors will be open. Healing will come. Provision will be poured out. He will sustain you. He will lead you. He'll give you dreams. He'll give you understanding. He'll give you insight. He'll give you things that you never thought possible. But at some point, you have to say, I will stand at the altar. I will hold on to his promise and nothing, nothing will move me. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And God, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would help us. We would look forward. Our gaze would be straight ahead. That we'd never turn to the left nor to the right. You keep our feet from evil. God, help us to build altars to those meaningful moments, those significant moments. God, help us to remember, are you not the God? Are you not the God who brought my child home? Are you not the God who made it possible for me to pay my bills? Are you not the God who surrounded me with friends 
when I thought I was unlovable and that no one liked me? Are you not the God? And Lord, when those things get poured into our spirit, help us turn around and give you everything. Because if we hold things back from you, we'll never receive from you all that you have for us. So I'm just going to ask, just with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, for some of you, I just sense you need that meaningful moment. You need a word. You need an encouragement. You need God to do something right now, and you need that moment where you just feel God's presence. You experience his peace. His supernatural healing flows. I don't know what it is, but you're, you heard this message, and what you said is, I've never, I can't even think of that meaningful moment. Or it was so long ago, I can't even bring it back into my mind with any clarity. I believe here today, right now, God wants to give you a meaningful moment. So here's what I'm going to ask. The prayer teams are going to come forward, and with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, here's what I'm going to ask right where you are. If you say, I need a meaningful moment, I need that moment here today, just right where you are, just raise your hand up. Just raise your hand. Don't wait. Just, just slip your hand up and say, I need a meaningful moment. I need one. Oh God, I need one. I need to know. I need to remember. I need to, I need to realize you're involved. You care. You know about me, my situation. I can hear about all the things you did for Justin, but God, I need that moment here today. Here's what I'm going to ask. If everyone would just stand at your feet, we're going to sing some songs that just celebrate who God is, declare his goodness in our life. And that's the first song we're going to sing, the goodness of God. If you raise your hand, here's my challenge to you. I'm going to ask if the prayer teams would come forward. We're going to have prayer teams up here on either side. If you raised your hand, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. Just come right now. Because I believe God is setting you up. Just like for Jamie and I, when we came here, it wasn't a setback, it was a setup. God is setting you up for a moment that will change everything. And you could stand back there and say, it's not for me, it's for someone else. Or you could say, God, I'm going to run to this altar. I'm going to make this my altar. And in this moment, I believe you are going to do something incredible. So here's my encouragement. When we start singing this song, just come forward and let this be your moment.